Thanks, Nolan. It's been a great summer around Greenville Oaks. Obviously, I've had the opportunity to be a part of camps and mission events uh, with our middle schoolers, our high schoolers. The last two weeks I spent, uh, two weeks ago, I was at middle school and upper elementary camp, I guess you would say, for fourth through sixth graders and then seventh through ninth graders all going on at the same time out at ACU and had a great week out there. Got home Friday evening, uh, turned around on Saturday afternoon, and 32 of us went down to Houston last week and uh, got back late Thursday night for a great experience with the Impact Church down there. I know this week I hated to miss it, but uh, we were able to dedicate and bless Messiah and her family and dedicate the house uh, that we've built through Habitat for Humanity. God's done a lot of good things through the people of Greenville Oaks this summer, and he's going to keep doing those things. And so... um, for those of you that haven't been on a mission trip before or haven't uh, gotten the experience of, of doing that, whether it's with a youth group or someone else, I know the group from Canada just got back too, um, I want to encourage you to do that at some point. So I'm going to make my sales pitch now for going to Houston with us next year. So five nights, six days, you can spend your days hanging out with about 200 children who will not listen to anything you have to say, who will push every button that you have who will run away from you, who may not smell all that great, may have lice, honestly. And then at night, you get to sleep on a cot or an air mattress that probably has a leak in it. You might get to shower during the week. You won't get to shave. And you get to do all of this in late July in the great city of humid, warm Houston. So that's my sales pitch for you. I know you're all excited to go with us next year. I do hope that you will consider going. It's a great week. Um, We're looking for ways that we can partner with that church even more. I'll tell you, we took 32 from Greenville Oaks, and we partnered with the High Point Church of Christ in McKinney, who had about the same number. Um, It was a great week, but this week, the Impact Church, that's quite a bit smaller than Greenville Oaks even, Uh, They passed through Allen yesterday, taking over 60 on a mission trip up to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So um, I'm challenged by that. I'm encouraged by that. And it was a great week. Last week at this time, last Sunday at this time, we, 32 of us, as I said, were in worship together in a place that looks and feels different than Greenville Oaks. I was struck by the people around me and how diverse the skin color is um, just all throughout the room. The room was packed. We had seven youth groups from all over Texas and Oklahoma, and I think maybe even one from Arkansas that was there last week. They were worshiping with us. And then you had the church members that are normally there. And uh, my dad lives only about 10 or 15 minutes from the Impact Church, which is right in the shadow of downtown Houston. And so he came, and he was sitting on my right. And on my left walked, uh, walked in a homeless man, and he sat on my left which isn't a normal experience for me. Two rows in front of me and just over to the right a little bit was a disabled man who needed help getting to his seat, who needed help taking communion. There were people over on my right in wheelchairs in a little section for for people with wheelchairs. Many of them couldn't communicate, but they were there worshiping God anyway. It was a different experience. Things weren't all planned out. They had a plan, but not everything went according to plan. There was a baptism last week, and a young man decided to give his life to Christ. And as the youth minister was in the water getting ready to baptize him, they handed him the microphone, and he said, well, 
Uh, we're going to wait a few minutes because this young man's mom went to wake up the rest of his family who lives down the street because she wants them to be here. So let's just sing for a little while. So we did. We just sang until the rest of the family showed up and we did the baptism. It was a totally different experience with different people. But at the same time, I was struck at how similar those people are to us, how they loved God, how they sang with all their heart, how friendly they were and welcoming to every single person that was there, the smiles that they had, and just seeing the connections between Green the Oaks and the Impact Church was really neat. And then for the rest of the week, Monday through Thursday, our kids woke up early, some as early as 5.30 or 6, to be able to take a shower. And we were ready to go. We were, we were cooking breakfast before 7. We were eating breakfast at 7.30, and we were ready to go by 8.30 to welcome 200 elementary school kids and spend time with them in a vacation Bible school. And they were long days, especially the first day. They got there, nine, start, started showing up about 9 in the morning, and they were there until 5.15, 5.30, because they had a special event that night where they got to go with another church in Houston and get school supplies, get shoes, get clothes, get everything they needed for the upcoming school year, which was a great thing. But it was a long day for us. We got to be there with them, and we ate pizza real quick, and then we turned around and we went to a place called Liberty Island, which is a home for men and women who are disabled. Some have very mild disabilities, some have very major disabilities. And it was really cool to watch our kids go in at the end of a day when they were tired and sing and sit down at a table with people, some who couldn't even communicate back with them and talk with them and give them some cookies and drinks and chips and laugh with them and sing with them and play with them and pray with them. And I'm going to brag on them for just a minute um, there have been groups that have been going to this place, Liberty Island, throughout the summer, and the people that took us there said, of all the groups that came in and interacted with the people there and had energy and enthusiasm and shared the love of Christ, uh, our group had more of that than any other group that showed up. And there's a reason I think uh, that that's the case, and I'm going to share that with you in just a minute. But watching them do that was so, so energizing, so exciting. And then Wednesday night, Wednesday night at the end of a long week, another long day, spending time with these kids, we went to the Houston Food Bank, the largest food bank in the United States. And our group, between the two youth groups that were there, we sorted in about an hour, hour and a half, we sorted 3,600 pounds of food. They said that that would help 3,000 families have the meals that they need just for taking a little bit of time to serve. And one of the most special and important moments of the week for me personally is I got the opportunity to sit on Wednesday afternoon with the elders of the Impact Church. Up until May, there have been five elders, five men that have been a part of this church for years. Three of them were there when the church started 28, 29 years ago and have been leading this church in inner city Houston ever since. And growing up in Houston, I got to see this church grow and and in May, one of their elders passed away from cancer. And now there are four of them, and I'm in the room with, with the other youth ministers and these four elders, and two of them have cancer. 
And the other two are there standing right alongside them and serving this community, serving this church, serving the people of Houston, serving homeless people and addicts and people who just have needs and loving and serving in the name of Jesus. And what they wanted to do there in that time was they wanted to ask us, who were only spending a week there, they wanted our input. They wanted to ask us what they could do better, how they could better serve people, how they could better love people. Very humble thing to do. And I don't have a lot of answers for them. They've been doing that 28, 29 years. We come in for a week at a time. But what made it special was as we were ending that time, right before we prayed, Harvey, one of the elders, who's also one of the song leaders there, Harvey's a very energetic man. He likes to move around when he sings. He likes to go out and interact with the crowd as he sings. Um, He says, we're going to sing a song. And he sings a song by point of grace that's very simple. And the main line of it is, God loves people more than anything. And so the nine or ten of us in that room sang that song together, and we prayed. And they're right. God loves people more than anything. And here's why I believe our kids were able to do what they did. And here's why I believe that church has such a special place in my heart. It's because when I reflect on the week and the people we encountered and the things that we did, the overarching theme is humility. We saw humility lived out in the people of impact and their welcome to us and their graciousness toward us. We saw humble people and a humble church, a very gracious church. And even though it's messy, I mean, it is, it's a mess. It's chaos around there. After church, we're flipping tables and getting ready. We're turning everything over to serve meals to homeless men and women from that community. And then you take it down, and then you're setting up for VBS, and things don't go right. We had to humble ourselves. For me, it was the trip to Liberty Island, because I'll be honest, I don't always like doing those things. I'm uncomfortable in those situations when people are that much different than me. I don't know what to say or do. Some of you probably feel that way. So I dreaded that trip. I was not looking forward to going into that place. But I got to tell you, when I got in there and I saw our kids singing, And I saw them doing a train during Get Right Church around the room and seeing all the the men and women that live there clapping and singing along with us. Man, it totally changed my attitude. I was humbled in that situation. I had to humble myself. And we may have been humbled too in some ways because not everything worked. We had plans going in. And when we start doing an activity and a Five, six-year-old looks at us and says, I'm not doing that, and walks away. What can you do? You're humbled a little bit in that situation. It's humility. So you can't go on a mission trip. You can't seek to serve others or live in community, even live in relationship with anyone and be prideful. It doesn't work. To follow Jesus is to live a life of humility to live with a humble heart. The passage that Nolan read to us a little while ago, this section of the letter to the church in Philippi is pretty direct. I mean, you don't have to have a degree in Bible to see that Paul here is saying, here's what you need to do. If you back up a little bit to verse one, he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, 
any comfort from his love, any fellowship with the Spirit, any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. So how do we do that? And he follows it up exactly where Nolan started. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. See, the small group of believers in Philippi, they're facing opposition and they need encouragement. Encouragement to stay strong in the face of adversity, but, but also to go deeper in their love, to go deeper in their service, their compassion, their unity. To experience the first part of that, you have to do verses three and four. And there are three simple things that I kind of pick up in this passage. One, humility leads to considering others. Now, this isn't being self-depreciating. It's very easy in our, in our world, in our culture today, to assume that being self-depreciating is being humble. Oh, I'm, just, I'm not very good at that. I'm terrible at that. You don't want me doing that. That's not humility because that doesn't honor and acknowledge the gifts that God has given us. That's just thinking that we're bad, and God didn't create us that way. God created us in his image, and we should feel pretty good about that, not boastful, but humble. The other side of the coin is that in our culture today, we have false humility, where we say, oh, I'm not very good at that, and we're thinking in our mind, yeah, I'm really the best one there is at that. And false humility comes across that way, as if it's not very real, as if it's fake, it's not genuine. We don't want either one of those extremes. We want to acknowledge what God has done. We want to acknowledge that God has gifted us in the way he has and be humble in the way we go about that. And the way we go about that is considering others first. Is that every person we come into contact with is valuable. Every person we come into contact with is just as, if not more important than me and my needs. And I need to remember that when I see someone else, when I see you walking through the hall, when I encounter someone out in the world. It leads us to considering others. The other thing is it leads us to service. Jesus served. The other passage I really, really considered uh, using today was John 13, where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. And it says he showed them the full extent of his love. He loved them to the full. The fullness of his love is lived out in his service to others. And this passage says just the same thing. It says, Jesus made himself nothing, taking the very nature, very form of a servant. If we're to follow Jesus, we have to take that same posture, that same form of being a servant. The other thing from this passage is humility leads to obedience. For Jesus, it was obedience to death. To death on a cross, the worst possible kind of death at that time. And you might say, ever. I don't know that I've ever been called to obedience that's that great and that strong, but I am called to obedience. And we have to prepare ourselves for that. But ultimately, what I take from this passage, what I take from Scripture, is that it's God's grace that humbles us. James Chapter 4 and verse 6 says, but he gives us more grace. That's why it says God opposes the proud but gives grace 
to the humble. And then he goes on to say, submit yourselves to the Lord and humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. We've sung that song, many of you, before. You see, grace and humility are tightly linked. They are interwoven. Grace leads to humility. We have this misconception sometimes that sin is the reason we're humble, but sin doesn't humble us. Yes, we're all sinners. Yes, we all realize that. Yes, that causes us to bow low in the presence of God and Jesus. But that's not what humbles us. It has no more power because Jesus has taken sin's power away. God's grace humbles us because we realize that we now have new life. We have hope. We have joy. We are made whole because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. That is the motivator. That is what humbles us. And as we truly understand the depth of God's grace, our lives are changed to look more and more like Jesus. This idea from James 4 and even the submission and obedience. Um, at our camps that we attended this summer, my friend Bob spent a lot of time talking about the words for praise that are in Psalms. And the, words, the word that we have, praise, that's throughout Psalms, actually is a lot of different words in the Hebrew language. But one of them, one of them is this way of worship, this picture of bowing before the king. And that's kind of where we get the idea of bowing our head when we pray. Because we're bowing before our king, before our master. And it's fine to bow our heads. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's a good thing. But I think where we need to be challenged, I think where we need to really focus is bowing our hearts and our lives before God, submitting to him and considering others in service, in obedience. Knowing that we have received the grace of God changes us and humbles us because the two are tightly connected. So today is the second in a three-week series about welcoming and if you're like me, the picture you get of welcoming is greeters at the door, a smile and a handshake and a bulletin in your hand as you walk in. And that's good. We want to do that. It would be unwelcoming of us not to do that. And we don't want to be unwelcoming. We don't want to be unfriendly. At the same time, we don't want to be fake. See, welcoming is really about being genuine. Is showing God's love, accepting one another, being gracious, valuing each person we come into contact with, whether it's a friend or someone we're meeting for the first time. And it happens when we're gathered for worship. It happens when we're in a small group. It happens when we're in Bible class. But it also happens when we're at home with our family. How welcoming are you to the members of your own family. It happens when we're at school, or we're at work, or we're at a restaurant, or we're out in the neighborhood with our neighbors. See, being a welcoming person is a matter of the heart, a heart that's been changed by God and his grace and having a humble heart. One of my purposes in life, one of my missions in life is that every person I would meet would feel important, would feel loved, would feel valued because of our interaction, not because of me, 
but because they're created in the image of God and God has given me this grace to be gracious and pour out grace on them. And I'm not always good at it. In fact, I probably fail at it as much as I try to be good at it. But I think I'm growing in it. I see some of you, and I've known some of you for a few years now, and I see you, I see us as a church growing in it, and that's a good thing. But to do that, I have to humble myself and consider others. I have to humble myself and become a servant. I have to humble myself and become obedient. And all this comes from having the same attitude as Jesus. And sometimes it's easy. Sometimes I encounter people who are like me, who like the same things, and we can have an easy conversation. Or sometimes I encounter friends, and and because of the relationship we always have, um, or we've had already, it's easier to be welcoming and to be genuine and to be open and to be gracious with them. Sometimes it's easier when people respond the way I expect them to or a way that I like that makes me feel good and, and valuable myself. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes there's fear. I'll admit, sometimes when I'm here, there's this fear that I'm gonna go up and introduce myself to someone and they're gonna say, yeah, Greg, we know. We've been going to church here for five years. Any, anyone else feel the same way? You don't have to raise your hand. Okay, I, I take it that some of you feel the same way, okay? That's fear. You know what? We're afraid that we're going to offend someone else. What I've tried to remind myself is it's more offensive for me to ignore that person than it is to go and say something to them and them say, yeah, Greg, you've, you've known me or I've gone to church here for a while. Sometimes it's time. I'm busy. You're busy. We're all busy. And so we give the high as we go down the hallway or, or we send a text and then we're out the door. We don't have time in our schedule and we gotta make time. And sometimes there are people who are just harder to love because they're not like me or because they need more attention or they take up more of my time. Sometimes those people are the ones that are close to us. The truth is we have to get over ourselves. We have to choose to live in the way of the one we follow. And the power to do that comes from God's grace through Jesus Christ. I want to close with a story. I met a guy named Zach just not even two months ago. And uh, he's a young guy. He's in his uh, early to mid-20s. Zach went to ACU, wanted to be a youth minister. He got hooked up with a church, a very small, kind of an impact-type church in Abilene. Uh, Different people, poor people, uh, crazy stories in this church. We got to go in and worship there uh, while we were at Kadesh, our high school camp this year, uh, for one night. A group of us did. Um, And so he's working with people that are totally different than your normal church people. And through this, he met a young man uh, named Romeo. Romeo was just kind of a a kid who was struggling on the streets of Abilene, tough home life, and he just started hanging out around the church quite a bit. Some of you, some of our younger kids know Romeo. I'll tell you how in a minute. Um, And he just started hanging out with this church, and he just started hanging out with Zach. And one night, Romeo needed a place to go. 
He didn't have anywhere to go, and so he ended up at Zach's house, and he spent the night. We stayed a couple more nights, and a couple more nights, and what ended up, or what started as Romeo spending a couple of nights on Zach's couch at his little apartment, turned into Romeo moving in with Zach. And they spent um, time together, grew to love each other, and got to know each other. And eventually, people were telling Zach, man, this kid can't live with you forever. You you got to find him another place to live, put him in foster care, send him back to his family. You got to do something else. And Zach kept saying, no, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. So you know what Zach did? Zach adopted him. And this fall, well, some of our kids know Romeo because he was a counselor at the ACU camps this year. But this fall, Zach will be the youngest empty nester on the face of the earth. (laughs) His words. But for six years, he has welcomed and loved Romeo as his own. And it's only because he has a heart that has been changed by God. And God's grace for him that he has poured out humbly onto Romeo and to others. I don't know what links we're going to go to as a church, but I hope it's far. I don't know what links you're willing to go to as an individual, as a family, as a small group, but I hope it's far. All because God's grace has led us to humility. Because when we learn, when we accept, when we truly believe the grace of God is for us, it humbles us and it causes us to love and accept people in a way the world and quite frankly most of the church can't even understand. And it's because God loves people more than anything. So my prayer is that we will know and accept and believe God's grace for us individually and as a community, as a church, and that we will be known for our humble hearts because only through humility will others see the glory of God. Very quickly before Bruce Neville comes and prays for us, this morning during first service, we saw an act of humility. Davis Arnold, one of our young men, chose to be baptized, and his dad, Wade, baptized him. And that was exciting. And then after Bible class this morning, uh, Dennis Hale came up and told me that his son, Michael, is going to be baptized later this afternoon in a family, uh, a family celebration at, at a family member's house. Um, that's humility. If that's a step you need to take, then take it. God has called us to be humble, gracious servants of his. And that's how we'll be welcoming people. That's how we'll be a welcoming church. Bruce. A couple of other things I want to let you know about. Um, In addition to Davis, um, 
Some of our folks that went on mission trip to Canada uh, met a young lady whose name is Aaliyah. Aaliyah's in the eighth grade, a new Christian, and is uh, scheduled to have eye surgery this Wednesday. Obviously, she's very anxious about it. So would you please add Aaliyah to your prayer request, to your prayer list this week? And also, uh, some of you may have seen uh, Sheila Hartzell had to 